Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are a Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N as well. Facebook and Twitter. Use the hashtag. It is hashtag S-G-N, and it's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates, you can hear us. And we do a weekly show. It's Wanna Bet Weekend Edition. We've been doing it with Rashad Jennings. So make sure you guys go check that out. You can check that out at sportsgarden.com as well. All right, guys, let's go right into it. It is Super Bowl week here, and we are going to be getting into everything in the form of the Super Bowl. I want to get a good conversation going about the game itself, but also we will touch on prop plays. Super Bowl MVP seems to be something everyone is talking about and looks like everybody's going to be betting this year. So I want to get into all of that. First and foremost, though, we got to get into the game itself. And the game itself, look, where we're sitting right now and the way that we're looking at this... um, It's starting to get that feel that people are believing it's going to be a very close game. You know, every now and then the Super Bowl, whether whether it's the ending outcome or not, that doesn't really matter, right? The ending outcome really almost, uh, in a way, is secondary in a lot of these situations because the ending outcome in a lot of situations doesn't dictate the market. What I'm talking about here is the conversation that I want to have, and and that conversation is what people are believing right now. Because that does drive the market. That moves the lines. That shows you prop plays. Is it going to come here? Is it going to come there? So people are starting to believe that this is going to be a good game. Now, you could go back in history, and you could tell me, you know, that the John Elway teams that were getting their doors blown off, you know, people thought those were going to be good games as well. Um, yeah, in some cases, but I think we generally have a feeling most of the time as a collective unit, like, okay, you know what? This is going to be a good game or, or it's going to be a blowout. I will give the NFL plenty of credit. I'm going to give the NFL uh, immense credit where you look down and you go, when was a really the last bad Super Bowl, right? Um, and it's been a while. So for a while now, the Super Bowls aren't blowouts for a while now. Let's just look at the history of the Super Bowls, and I'm not talking about, you know, back into the 60s. Let's just look at at the recent history, let's just say. So, last year, I think we all expected a shootout. I expected um, the Kansas City Chiefs to play a lot better, even though I gave out Tampa Bay to win the game, and I did like the under. 31-9 was a blowout, okay? Before that, Kansas City against San Francisco, that was an 11-point final game, right? 31-20, but Overall, that game was really, really a game that could have gone either way going into the fourth quarter. Obviously, New England-Los Angeles was a 10-point game, but again, a game one score could have changed it. Philly-New England wound up being an 8-point game, although Philly seemed like they had full control of that. Obviously, New England-Atlanta was close. Denver did control Carolina, and I never really felt like Carolina was in that game. Uh, New England-Seattle before that, and then you have the blowout. Seattle absolutely destroyed Denver in the first one in 2014 over in New Jersey. Uh, but Baltimore-San Francisco the year before that was a tight game. New England-New England, New England, uh, New England New York Giants the year before that, very tight game. Green Bay-Pittsburgh, tight game. Even New Orleans Indy, where I, I don't know how many people didn't think New Orleans was going to win, but you had that feeling to it. 
even that was only a 14-point game. So you have to really go back. Yeah, you have a couple sprinkled in here, right? That Seattle-Denver game was it was an absolute blowout. And last year really was a blowout. But you really have to go back to, you know, my generation. Not even, even your kids' generation, right? You got to go back to my generation. And I'm talking about, you know, 80s and 90s. And, and in the 80s, you had a lot of blowouts, right? You go back to 1984, Raiders 38-9. Blowout city. Next year, San Francisco, 38-16 blowout. The Bears, 46-10 blowout. Giants almost doubled up Denver, 39-20 blowout. Washington, 42-10 blowout. They had a close one, San Francisco, Cincinnati. And then San Fran came back the next year, 55-10 blowout. Close game, Giants, Buffalo. Washington beat Buffalo. Dallas blew out Buffalo, uh, 52-17. Dallas and beat up Buffalo, 13-49-26. San Francisco over San Diego. So, that period between 1984 and 1995, that decade plus there, you had about two close games, okay? And now we're going into a spot if we go and we say, okay, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I'm going to go, I'm going to say, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. We'll go over like the last like 19 years. We've had about four blowouts. So we're in that kind of spectrum. Why I went back in the history and all this, you know, is if you decided to sit down and just blindly talk to somebody. And remember, professional sports bettors are one thing, but we have a lot of just randoms betting on the Super Bowl. We have a lot of guys just going out there and, and girls who are just throwing money at it because they just kind of want to. Well, back in the, the 90s, when San Francisco's blowing out San Diego, right, and you have uh, just absolute demolishing games, uh, you know, where uh, San Francisco's beating Denver 55-10 in 1990, and you're in that mindset, and the public is in the mindset of blowouts, you have no problem laying some points, right? Ah, whatever, if I think this team is going to win, we've seen blowouts, and the public gets accustomed to blowouts. But we are looking at a situation here where, generally speaking, these are pretty good games. Last year was a blowout, okay. But San, San Francisco, Kansas City, that was a, a game decided late. New England, L.A., 10-point game didn't feel like it. It felt like it could have gone either way. Philly, New England, close game all the way. New England, Atlanta, obviously close game. So we are now in a generation that is a little hesitant about throwing away some coin. Right, they're a little hesitant about going out there and going. You know what? I I don't want to, I don't want to lay those points. I don't want to lay those points because, well, it might be a close game. And I think that that's kind of what we're looking at, right? Is that these could be close games? And it seems to me that everybody is kind of looking at this as as potentially a close game. Now, the one thing I will say, and the one thing I I think that we definitely have to touch on, is the defensive line uh, of the Rams, and I think that this is the biggest thing. I mean, if you really want to break down uh, sort of the number one overall prevailing conversation that anyone's having, well, that overall number one prevailing conversation that seemingly everybody wants to have is simply that the Rams are going to get pressure on Joe Burrow. The Rams are just dominant when it comes to pressure against Joe Burrow. We know they're going to get to him. We know it's going to be uh, kind of a, what people are calling like a sack fest. We understand it is going to be a, a mismatch. 
The Cincinnati Bengals offensive line simply can't contain what they're going to put out there. They simply can't do it. And the Rams are being billed as the big bad bullies. Well, why? Well, they have 10 players on their team with Super Bowl experience. The Bengals have one. The Rams have six coaches with Super Bowl experience. The Bengals have two. You know, it is being dubbed as you know, almost a mismatch, but not according to the lines makers. And that is something to pay pay attention to. But we go back to the line. Anybody that I ask, look, it, it, it goes both ways, obviously, right? I mean, it does go both ways where you can have uh, a conversation with, with one person on the Rams and one person on the Bengals. But both of their answers are seemingly what their team is going to lean on. And I think going back and just listening constantly to just people in the general public, and, and I poll people and talk to people quite often and, and kind of just go, hey, what do you think about this game? You know, what do you like? Because I like to hear people's mindsets on it. What do they believe? What do they believe and what are they thinking is the reality of this game? Well, if you talk to a Rams fan, the general consensus is very simply, it's not Matthew Stafford, it's not uh, Sean McVay, it's not watch this. No, generally speaking, Rams fans are going to sit back and they're going to go, our defensive line is going to get to Joe Burrow, right? Cincinnati ranked 30th in sacks allowed per game. Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times during the season, the most sacks in the NFL. Sack percentage, Cincinnati's offensive line, 31st in the NFL. Sack percentage for the defensive line for the LA Rams, they ranked 11th. Sacks per game, uh, just 2.8 for the Rams. Yeah, they ranked 7th overall. So you have conceivably one of the top two or three worst offensive lines against a top 10 defensive line. Now let's continue to go. Sacks allowed per game, you know, the Rams offensive line is fifth. They don't allow pressure. Sack percentage, Rams offensive line is sixth. They don't allow pressure. Now Cincinnati's 14th and 11th in those categories. So it's not as one-sided as you would think. But talking to somebody that likes the Rams, that is what I'm getting, guys. Talking to anybody that has any affiliation going, you know what? Look, I think the Rams are going to win. I think that the Rams are the team. The Rams this, the Rams that. Every conversation that I hear about the Rams goes back to one thing, and that is the defensive line. It's the Aaron Donald. It's the Von Miller. It's the conversation about pressure. And it inevitably is no one having any respect for the Cincinnati offensive line. Well, Maybe that's earned, right? Maybe that's earned. Like I said, Joe Burrow, 51 times he went down this year, okay? He went down nine times in a playoff game. Nine times. Nine times in one game in the playoffs, they couldn't seem to protect him. Joe Burrow has been sacked. Joe Burrow's been beaten up. Joe Burrow cannot get out of the way. The offensive line is a sieve. And that is a good reason to go on the Rams. It makes a lot of sense why you would go on the Rams. But... The reason why people are betting on Cincinnati is because of Joe Burrow. And with all that I would had just said, it's all true. The defensive line for the Rams should probably live in the backfield. Aaron Donald is this generation's greatest defensive player, probably one of the greatest defensive players of all time. I'm going to stop short of calling him the greatest defensive player of all time, but one of the top 5, 10, sure. Von Miller could be a headache. Leonard Floyd coming off the corner could be a headache. They set the sack total for the game at five and a half in some spots. I'm seeing three and a half for the Rams. I, I quoted it three earlier in the week. I see three and a half now for the Rams in some of these books out there. 
I don't doubt for a minute that they could get to Joe Burrow. I don't think that a Cincinnati fan is going to doubt for a minute they're going to get to Joe Burrow. Someone that's betting on the Bengals, you can't say that they're going to suddenly protect Joe Burrow. No, 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 no. But the reason why people are betting on the Bengals is because of Joe Burrow. The reason they're betting on the Bengals is because, yes, while you will get to him, isn't that a positive in a way? Isn't it a positive that Joe Burrow has taken sacks? Hear me out. Isn't it a positive that Joe Burrow got sacked nine times in a playoff game? Hear me out. How could that be a positive, Tom? Well, it is a positive because of this. Because they won those games. Right? And that's the reality. Joe Burrow is spitting in the face of all logic that we know. The logic that we've known in the NFL for decades has been, if you get to the quarterback, you will rattle him. If you get to the quarterback and create pressure, you will make him jittery in the pocket. If you get to the quarterback and bang him up and knock him down and drag him through the mud and make it an ugly game and pressure him, he will make mistakes. That's not the case with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times this year, smacked in the face, dragged out, bloodied up. They still won that division, a division with very good pass rushers, like probably the defensive player of the year in in Mr. Watt there out of Pittsburgh, like the Ravens, even when they were healthy, right? Like Miles Garrett and the the, uh, Cleveland Browns, everyone coming after them. And the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line was terrible. And Joe Burrow was back there, and Joe Burrow knew my Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is terrible. And Joe Burrow knew I'm going to get beaten up. I'm going to take a punch in the mouth today. I'm going to get hit hard. It's going to hurt. Joe Burrow went out there and still won games. Joe Burrow went out there and didn't make the mistakes that you would think. Joe Burrow went out there and led his team to a North championship. Joe Burrow right now, has spit in the face of the logic that if you knock a guy down so many times, you could throw him off his game. And then he did it in the playoffs. Everybody's going to sit back this week, and you're going to hear all the uh, the media all around. The Super Bowl media is going to consistently sit back, and they are going to talk about Joe Burrow getting sacked nine times in a game. Because he did go down nine times in a game, guys. But he won the game. And that right there is a miraculous statistic. And that right there is why people are going on the Bengals. So when I talk to Rams fans, or Rams backers, I should say, when I talk to people that are going to the window and putting their hard money up and going on and betting on the Rams, I can't argue with them that I think that Aaron Donald is going to get in the backfield. I can't argue with them that I think that Leonard Floyd and Von Miller are going to have massive success against an offensive line that is a sieve. I cannot argue with them. Hey, you want to take the over three and a half sacks? You think that Joe Burrow's going down four or five times? I can't argue with that. I can't argue with the fact that you might bloody Joe Burrow. But guys, in the same respect, I cannot argue the Cincinnati Bengal fan that says it may not matter. I can't argue with that because the argument has been put to rest. You could hit Joe Burrow. You could bloody Joe Burrow. You could sack Joe Burrow. It doesn't rattle him. He still hangs in the pocket. He still throws downfield. The Cincinnati Bengals still win games. And I think that that really is why people are believing that this is going to be a close game. Because if you're the Rams, you know your deficiencies. The Rams have secondary problems. They are literally starting a guy, and the guy wearing the green dot on his helmet is somebody that was retired a month ago. Retired for two years a month ago. 
So they have secondary issues. They have problems. If Joe Burrow can get time, don't know if he will, but if Joe Burrow can get any time or the time that he does get, he can exploit that secondary. Rams fans understand this. Rams fans also understand, as well as Matthew Stafford has played in his 71% completion percentage in the playoffs, speaks to how well he's played. He still is a guy that has no real success when you're talking about a playoff situation in the big-time moment. Okay, the rest of the Rams, most of them have been here. Just mentioned that, right? A lot of the Rams have been here. Well, Stafford hasn't. So the Rams fans, the Rams backers, you understand your deficiencies. Your number one pound the table, we are going to win because is because of that defensive line. And on the other side, the Cincinnati uh, Cincinnati Bengals have to understand their deficiencies, and I think that they do. And I think that people are going out there and they are blindly betting the Bengals because of one thing, and that's because of Joe Burrow. Now, their defense has played very well, but they're going out there and they're saying, I believe that Joe Burrow is going to be able to take on this pass rush. I believe that Joe Burrow is going to be able to deal with this bad offensive line. I believe that Zach Taylor is going to put together a game plan to uh, be able to maximize Joe Burrow. But, but, and here it is. Here's the big elephant in the room. I think Cincinnati fans are also looking at this and saying, if we can't protect Joe Burrow, if Joe Burrow is exposed and he's hit and he's sacked, we still can win the game. And that is where the crux of the argument kind of comes in here. So when you're looking at this game in a betting situation, you've got to kind of ask yourself, what do you believe? Do you believe that Joe Burrow basically walks on water, right? Do you believe that Joe Burrow is a guy that can continue this run? And let's be very clear what this run is. This run is winning an AFC North that had the Pittsburgh Steelers on a top five defense and Mike Tomlin, who doesn't lose ever, okay? He literally never has a losing record uh, in that division. They had the Baltimore Ravens, albeit all the injuries, a guy that just won the MVP a couple of years ago, leading the charge and Super Bowl aspirations. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns, they fell flat on their face, but the Cleveland Browns who came into the season with Super Bowl aspirations, you won the North. Then you went on the road in Tennessee, the number one overall seed, and you got a win. Then you went into Kansas City, into Arrowhead, You went there down in the second half, losing to the Chiefs, losing to Mahomes at home, losing to go to the Super Bowl, and absolutely stole that game. They beat them up, they stole it, and they held Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense and Andy Reid and company to under 100 yards in the second half, and they did nothing in overtime. So we can look at this and kind of say, yeah, the Bengals are a fun upstart team, but the Bengals have been through the ringer here. The Bengals have gone through it, man. And then you look and you look at the Rams and you go, yeah, a little bit of that with the Rams as well, right? I mean, a little bit with that that with the Rams also, what they've had to go through, what they had to kind of overcome. Playing the Niners might have been the greatest thing for them because they hadn't beat them in six straight tries. They got beat up twice by them. They got beat up. And I said beat up because it was a physical game. That's why they lost. Their flashy style just seemed to not be able to beat Shanahan. And they were able to go over that hurdle. So you have two teams 
that I do believe that we're looking at a pretty good game. You have two situations where you can make compelling arguments for, for both, but I do find it really interesting that in this game, no one is really looking at this from either side and saying, okay, we're going to not do that, right? I don't think any Bengals fan is saying, no, we're not going to let Joe Burrow get hit. No, 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 you know he's going to get hit. And the Rams are going, okay, we're going to hit him. Both teams acknowledge what's going to happen, but it's all sort of on what do you think that's going to do to him. Bengal fans, Bengal backers are going, yeah, I've watched Joe Burrow get hit around. It doesn't matter. And Rams backers are saying, listen, I've watched football my entire life. You cannot tell me it doesn't matter, although that's what he's kind of shown this entire postseason. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When we get back, we'll dig into the game itself. I want to talk about this Bengals defense, which I think is being underrated, and how can the Rams exploit this defense best? We'll talk about all that and more right after this, right here on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, what are the odds? Let's talk about it, guys. Let's get right into the NFL Super Bowl. And we have Cincinnati and the Rams, which is weird because the Rams, by the way, are the traveling team, even though they're playing in their home stadium, which is a little interesting situation. But the odds have basically stabilized. Look, it's four and a half at BetMGM. It's four at Caesars Sportsbook, four at FanDuel, four and a half at DraftKings, four and a half at PointsBet, four at WinBet, and four and a half at the Superbook. As far as the total goes, 48.5 across the board, minus 110 across the board. The total is exactly the same everywhere in the United States. All right, guys, that is what are the odds. Now, look, I mean, most of the time, we do see uh, pretty much a, a stability thing, especially during the middle of the week, right? If you're listening to this, um, I'm recording this on Thursday, so either you're listening Thursday night, Friday. I've spoken to sportsbook directors that told me 65, 70% of the money come in on Saturday night and Sunday. So the lines won't, you know, go completely crazy during the week. We expected this stabilized four, four and a half, depending on where you are. Shop around. If you like the Bengals, take that four and a half. If you like the Rams, you go get that four, of course. Um, but I don't expect, even with 70% of the money coming in, I don't expect massive movement. I, and when I say massive movement, look, I don't think this gets down to three anywhere. Um, and I don't think that this pops up to like six. And three and six would be those key numbers. When you're talking about four and a half, might, maybe it goes, a lot of people, you have to remember, a lot of people are going to be traveling, you know, two locations. And if you're going to travel two locations, a lot of Super Bowl parties happen in Las Vegas. A lot of Super Bowl parties in Atlantic City. And if you're going to the Super Bowl parties, the general consensus is the public loves the favorite. So if there's a four and a half out there, can that get to five? Maybe even five and a half? Yeah, probably. If all of a sudden everybody's loving Cincinnati, and by the way, right now I read a report in one of the sports books that 76% of the money is coming in on Cincinnati. Um, could it go down to three and a half? Sure. But I never think it hits three, and I do not believe we ever get to a six number. So I think it's going to go off at about four and a half. Um, I, I do think that the fours will probably prop up back up to four and a half by the time game time goes. And you do have to also remember, the game doesn't start until 6.30 on Sunday. This is an important factor because that late money, we're used to sitting around, and we're used to sitting around and, and 
here especially at SGN where I'm on the air 11 to 1 East Coast time live for uh, Wanna Bet Weekend Edition with Rashad Jennings. I'm on live until 1 o'clock. So I watch the late money in between the breaks and whatnot, getting into that 1 o'clock game. And most people do that. They they jump on board half hour before time, 15 minutes before time. Um, the Super Bowl doesn't start until 6.30 East Coast time. So you're not going to wake up at you know, 10, 11 a.m. on Sunday. That's sleeping in for some. But you're not going to wake up at 10 or 11 a.m. on Sunday and see that massive line movement. You'll see that massive line movement when people start to get to their destination. Think about the people traveling from L.A. and coming into Vegas. Or the people traveling from L.A. going to Vegas. Uh, it's a three-and-a-half-hour you know, trip. They're probably going to get there, if unless they're there Saturday night, of course. But they're probably going to get there, uh, you know, 12, 1 o'clock, which is 3 30, 3 o'clock, depending on where, where you're looking. So watch that late movement. Don't expect it to come in early in the morning. I do think people do get to town in Las Vegas, and I've been there. Look, I, I did, uh, I think I did 11 Super Bowls in a row and something like like 15 of 16 um, in a row in Las Vegas. I, I understand the, the culture. I used to go out on a Thursday and come home on a Tuesday. I, I would spend the whole week there. And you do start to see the fever pitch kind of, jam, you know, acting up at, but it was always Sunday, right? It was, it was Saturday night, you started to kind of form your opinion. Saturday night, you started to talk to people. And I go, oh, yeah, I like this. I like this. But they didn't make that bet until Sunday. So just pay attention to the line movement there. All right, guys, let's get into um, uh, some of the things I did talk about uh, last segment where I wanted to talk about the Bengals defense because the Bengals defense is being vastly underrated here. And this ties into the prop plays that we're going to talk about. Because everyone's all over defenses and going, yeah, you know what? The Rams defense, which we highlighted, they're going to get to Joe Burrow, of course. But the Bengals defense is being vastly underrated. The Bengals defense played the number six passing offense in the Raiders in round one. Then in round two, they went up against the number five rushing offense, by the way, with Derrick Henry back. So they probably would have been number one overall. And they shut them down. And then they went out in the second half and took care of Patrick Mahomes. So I'm seeing a lot of Rams, specifically Rams prop plays, really be massively elevated here to a point of you almost can't take them. And it's just total disrespect to me on this Bengals defense. With that said, I do kind of like some of them. So let's get into uh, the prop plays. I'll get into player props first, okay? Player props are something that have really jumped up for a lot of people. Uh, people really starting to kind of jump on top of the player props and, and understanding the market a little bit better. So you have to understand the mentality of a sports better. If you're going into the sports betting realm, you have to understand a few things. And a few things are this. Look, number one, the public loves favorites. The public loves overs. We know that. But in a prop situation, in in almost 80% of the, the cases, people are not betting against players. They like their player. They had them on their fantasy team. They think they're going to have a big game. So that means the overs are going to be way over bet, especially for the Super Bowl, are going to be way over bet when you're comparing it to unders. There's not a lot of guys out there. It's just a human nature. Not a lot of guys out there like hoping someone fails, right? And going, I think he's going to fail. Most of the time, it's, hey, I like that guy. I have his jersey. I want to root for him. I'm not sure about the game. He played on my fantasy team. I'm going to take him. And then you take the over. So I bring this up to bring up Cooper Cup. 
who jumps off the page at me because of what I expected, how I was able to make money. And yes, I've already basically made money. And I'll explain why. Look, Cooper Cup has a legitimate claim to have the greatest wide receiver season in the history of the game. That's number one. People are talking about Cooper Cup that he should win the MVP. You now, he won't because it's going to a quarterback. But he's the best player outside of a quarterback in the NFL. Yes. Record-breaking season, of course. But we all know this. And he's a, like a, a good guy to root for, right? Everybody kind of like wants to root for him. We all know this about Cooper Cup. So the sports books know this as well. Usually a very good wide receiver in a matchup against a solid defense, the over-under for receiving yards is going to be in the high 80s, right? For a, a really good wide receiver, it's going to be in the high 80s. Cooper Cup, we knew was going to be overvalued, and the sports books didn't even overvalue him enough. So this came out at 103 over under for the yards, 103. I jumped on it right away. I jumped all over the over on this. Again, not necessarily because I thought he was going to go over, but because I figured the public was going to pound on Cooper Cup. Now, where it sits today, I see a 106.5 yards at minus 125, so that might go to 107. I have consistently said it's going to get to 108 before game time. So then I will go under, and I'm going to try to middle this out. But it's hard to bet against Cooper Cup, and that's why it's hard to go against the under, especially when you're looking at numbers. Cooper Cup went 16-4 and to the over-receiving yards this year. Six, if you just blindly bet Cooper Cup over yards every single game, I, I mean, 100 bucks, you'd be up over $1,000, right? 16-4, and four, even with your VIG, you're still up uh, $1,100 and change. Now, he's got back-to-back 140-yard -back efforts. Um, this is huge. Stafford is going to look back and he's going to look at Cooper Cup and he's going to go, okay, you know what? Who's my guy, right? Who's the guy when I'm getting pressured? Who's the guy when Trey Hendrickson is in my face? Who's the guy that I need to go downfield to? It's still going to be Cooper Cup because he trusts him after the season that he's had, right? I mean, the guy had the triple crown as a wide receiver. Now, he also has 10 targets per game on average over the postseason, so he's getting peppered with a lot of balls. He doesn't drop quite uh, as much as 99.9% .9 of the people out there. I mean, Cooper Cup, is, his hands are fantastic. And look, he's going to get another, I don't know, eight, nine, ten targets to, you know, in this game. And you look at that and you go, what can he do with that? Well, his over-under longest reception is 28 and a half yards. So people think he's going to get, you know, about a 28 or a 29-yard uh, reception. Boom, that cuts into this immediately. You also look at Cooper Cup if he does get the yardage, if he does get up to 10 targets. He's got 106 receiving yards in 11 of the 16 games when he gets those 10 targets. So... This is a hard one to argue that, you know, you should go under. The public loves the over, and I'm kind of with the public here. I don't know if I'm going to go over the 107, 108. You know, for me, I'm hedging it out so I could win. But for my advice for you guys, get on Cooper Cup. If you like the over, get on it as soon as possible. How about Odell Beckham? Everyone's talking about Odell and his revitalization and, and what he's been able to do. Look, the Bengals secondary has allowed 21 total touchdowns this year. That is terrible, okay? Their, their secondary can be beat. Now, Odell is a guy that is taking pressure off of Cooper Cup. So if you expect Cooper Cup to be double teamed, which I do as well, Odell should come over the middle. But I don't necessarily love his yardage because you're hoping for a big pop play. And the Bengals are pretty good at not allowing big pop plays, even though they do give up touchdowns. But you can still get Odell at plus money for a touchdown. I'll take Odell at plus money for a touchdown. It makes a little bit of sense. 
How about Cam Akers? Cam Akers is another guy. A lot of people think he's going to have a big game. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Akers and the Rams get out. If the Rams get out to a big read and Cam Akers goes and he just has a huge game, he gets, you know, uh, the carries, it's opened up 14 and a half. It's up to 16 and a half. He might get 18, 19 carries if the Rams are leading the game. Here's my worry with Cam Akers and taking the over, uh, which he might absolutely go crazy and, and it might look like a great play. My problem with taking the over with Cam Akers is that he's had fumbling problems. And if he fumbles the ball one time, guys, he's going to be pulled out of the game. One mistake. He's going to be pulled out because they have a very serviceable running back in Sonny Michel lining up right behind him, which brings me to Sonny Michel, plus 375 to score a touchdown. Inside that red zone, right, if all of a sudden there's a little worry this week or even on the field about Cam Akers maybe fumbling and maybe, uh, you know what, we don't trust him, Sonny Michel to score a touchdown makes a ton of sense here. So, that's kind of the Rams offense. I didn't touch on Stafford because I look at Stafford and I go over under one and a half touchdowns. I love it, but I don't really want to lay the minus 240, which it is in some books right now. But I do think he does throw two touchdowns. If you want to do it, combine that in a parlay with Joe Burrow, or both of them to throw two touchdowns and you get a little bit less than even money. But that's a pretty good play if you want to do that. So that's the Rams offense, and that's the Rams offensive player prop plays. Let's talk about the Bengals. Now, the Bengals are interesting because you do have the idea of, well, you know what, they're a throw-first team, and they're not. Look, they are not a throw-first team. Let's just be, be very clear about that. This is a team that they want to run the ball, but oftentimes they don't have the ability to because, you know, you put it in Joe, Joe Burrow's hands and, I know Joe Mixon is a a big name, and he can, again, have a big game. He's a guy that you look at you know, over-under yardage, 65, and I'm going, yeah, I kind of, uh, my initial reaction, kind of like that. And then I go to the regular season, and I go, wait a minute. He played all but one game in the regular season. He had two games over, uh, or three games, I should say, over 100 yards. One came in week one, Okay. The times that he did go over, you look at the rest of the regular season. I'm just talking about regular season. 46 yards, 65, 58, 58, 54. A lot of games where he got 19 carries, 18 carries, 17 carries, 18 carries. They were trying to force the ball to Joe Mixon, and he just wasn't being able to kind of uh, get the job done. Let's be honest. So I worry about Joe Mixon and taking the over there. I do kind of like the carries. You know, if you want carries... I'm okay with the carries there, but I don't necessarily like Joe Mixon for rushing yards over. Now, I will say I can get all aboard his receiving yards. It's set at 25 and a half. Joe Mixon went over 25 and a half five straight times. He's had 29 targets. The guy is getting just peppered with ball after ball, right? Um, the Rams have also allowed 38 receiving yards per game to running backs. They allowed 50 last week to Eli Mitchell, 50 to Leonard Fournette. I mean, this is shaping up to be, to me, one of the best prop plays out there. I can't believe that we uncovered this. And this is 25 and a half? Oh, I'll take that all day long. Now, Joe Mixon receiving yards probably won't get a, a lot of attention. And I understand it, okay? Um, the big attention is going to come from the wide receivers. And let's talk about those wide receivers. So I look at Tyler Boyd, and a lot of these guys are going to eat into their production, and here's why. Look, I look at Tyler Boyd, and last week I actually took him for over, and I didn't get it. It was over four and a half, and he got four. Tyler Boyd is somebody that can have that fantastic game, but here's my concern with Tyler Boyd. 
back-to-back weeks now in the playoffs, T. Higgins has been lining up in the slot. Now, Tyler Boyd's entire appeal is the idea that he can play the slot, he's going to be the crossing pattern guy, he's going to be the short yardage guy, and Joe Burrow, when he's panicked, when he's under pressure, when he's, not that Joe Burrow panics, but when he's under pressure, he's going to go to Tyler Boyd. Well, if T. Higgins is taking up those slot possession um, you know, snaps, it's not going to happen. You also look at, well, last week, um, you know, their tight end went down. Well, he still didn't get peppered, which brings me to CJ, right? I like CJ. I thought he was great, but he did get injured in the game. I, I know that he said, look, I'm not going to miss this game. I get that he's a gamer here, but I cannot put money on someone that I watched limp off the field two weeks ago. I watched limp off the field early two weeks ago in a game that mattered so much, and now I'm expecting him to just be okay. And the line really isn't reflecting him being injured. The line is nearly identical to what it was in Kansas City. Now, I liked him in Kansas City. It was one of my better bets that he would go over. Obviously, injuries happen, so, you know, I lost that one. Um, But I look at at CJ and I go, yeah, look, I like you to get your receptions if you were healthy. If he was healthy, it would be probably my biggest bet of the props. I loved him against Kansas City. But watching him limp off the field, now you only have two weeks. They were calling it, there was speculation that might be season-ending injury. He's now getting ready. I don't know how much of this could be a game, how much of this could be just a head, you know, fake by Zach Taylor, so the defense has to prepare for him. I'm not sure about that. And when I'm betting, I want to be sure. I want assuredness. I don't want question marks. He's a question mark. I'm not going to sit here and talk you out of if you like his receptions over. By the way, I like receptions way more than yards. If you like the receptions over, I'm not going to talk you out of that. Other than to say, We don't really know what his health status is. And I don't even know if he knows. Look, he might be pumped up because it's Super Bowl. The adrenaline's flowing. You know, he gets out there in the second quarter, makes a couple of moves, a couple of cuts, and his ankle swells up, and all of a sudden you go, "Uh uh-oh. You know, I can't put it on Boyd or him. Brings me to Jamar Chase. Everybody loves Jamar Chase. There's a couple of things that we need to worry about about Jamar Chase. First of all, I'm not worried about targets. He will get his targets. He got 10 targets the first time against Kansas City. He was peppered again against KC, even despite him you know, being double-teamed. And he will be double-teamed in some spots. But we have to also recognize that he is up against one-on-one with Jalen Ramsey. He's one-on-one with Ramsey, man. You know, and... You could not like Ramsey. You could not like his antics. Talk to me about how, you know, he's not the guy that you... Go ahead. Go on. Rant away on how you don't like Jalen Ramsey. And then let me stop you and let me bring you back to earth and say, Jalen Ramsey is one of the best corners in the league. And if you're in the Rams locker room, what are you saying tomorrow? Right? Are you saying, okay, don't let Tyler Boyd beat us? Don't let Joe Mixon beat us? No. You're saying don't let Jamar Chase beat us. So there will be a concentrated effort to keep him down. Now, you may believe in his talent, and you may think that he's going to win some one-on-one balls. Yeah, but also be cognizant of the fact that Jalen Ramsey's also going to win some of those battles as well. So I don't like Jamar Chase because he is a huge name. I don't like Jamar Chase because he's already overinflated line, and I don't like Jamar Chase because of the matchup. Now, if Jamar Chase beats Ramsey you know, one-on-one multiple times in this game, Jamar Chase might win the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, that's reality. I just can't expect that. Do I expect Jamar Chase to be shut down? No, I don't. But I certainly think he's going to struggle a little bit more than people give him, uh, him uh, or maybe Ramsey in this case, credit for. What about T. Higgins? 
Look, I mentioned him. He's getting slot receptions. He's becoming that guy. Now, Higgins is lost in the shuffle because of Chase and all the hoopla, but Higgins has been playing fantastically well. Higgins is the guy right now that is making your head spin because he's playing so well. And he's also not going to be double-teamed because you're going to double-team Jamar Chase. He's also not going to have the number one receiver or number one corner because that's Jalen Ramsey. He's going to be going up against a secondary, which has a guy that retired, uh, you know, two years ago and was sitting on his couch a month ago. He's the defensive leader, right? He's wearing that green dot on his head. Uh, Their secondary is beat up. I think Higgins is going to have a big game. Higgins is the guy of all the offensive players that I'm looking at that could steal the show here. He could be the X factor. And then, of course, we go to Joe Burrow. Going to Joe Burrow on attempts, going with Joe Burrow on completions, going with Joe Burrow on yards, I don't like it. I don't like it because it shows pace of play. Everybody believes that the Cincinnati Bengals is high-flying, go-crazy, push-it-down-the-field team, but as I've shown, you know, they do like to run the ball first. And if they are in the lead, they will try to drain the clock, extend it, run the ball even more. Um, Zach Taylor's a smart guy. I don't think he's going to just let Burrow throw it all day long just to prove a point. You don't necessarily want to get into a shootout with the Rams. And I don't think the Rams want to get into a shootout with the, the Bengals. So I think there's going to be a lot more running than people expect which again sits back and we talk about, well, what kind of angle can we find for Joe Burrow? There's a lot of people that like Joe Burrow, a lot of people that are going to look at Joe Burrow and they're going to say, you know what, look, I'm rooting for him. If you want something, take the over one and a half touchdowns. I, right, I opened up at like 145. You could still get it at about 175 or 180. I know you're paying a hefty price, but all you're asking Joe Burrow to do is throw two touchdowns. And when you're talking about throwing two touchdowns, guys, you're saying if the Bengals are going to win the game, if you, if you think the Bengals are winning this game, Joe Burrow is throwing two touchdowns, right? I mean, I don't think the Bengals are winning the game without Joe Burrow having a good game. And if the Bengals are losing the game, well, they'll be playing in catch-up mode. And if they're playing in catch-up mode, then Joe Burrow is a guy that's going to have to fling the ball all over the field to catch up. So I like it on two angles. You have the whole game to kind of have fun with that. You're never out of it. I mean, he could go into the fourth quarter, uh, God forbid to Bengals fans, but he could go into the fourth quarter with no touchdown passes, and you could still get that over. So if there's an angle that I like on Joe Burrow, it would be that, okay? Um, There may be some things that you look at with Joe Burrow and you can find and you personally like, you know, maybe an interception prop or or I know a lot of people are on the attempts prop, but that's a game flow kind of thing. I think that no matter how the game plays out, Joe Burrow over one and a half touchdown passes just makes a lot of sense. And that is kind of what we're looking at and when we're starting to stare at things. Now, I do see another prop that I kind of like for Joe Burrow, but we're going to talk about that in the future. Now let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the future. future. Bet to the future. Well, we're betting to the future. We're talking about this Sunday. We're talking about Super Bowl MVP odds. Let's talk about at the top, Matthew Stafford. I saw him earlier in the week at plus 180. It's all the way down to about even money for Matthew Stafford. Joe Burrow is plus 225. Cooper Cup is 6-1. to one. Aaron Donald, 16-1. to one. Jamar Chase, 18-1. to one. Odell Beckham's 28-1. to one. You like the running backs? Cam Akers is 35-1. to one. Sony Michelle is 80-1. to one. Von Miller, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, 45-1. to one. Tyler Boyd is 90-1. to one. Trent Taylor, 100 to 1. Tyler Higby, 100 to 1. 
CJ is 100 to 1. So is Van Jefferson, Trey Hendrickson, Jalen Ramsey, Kendall Blanton, Evan McPherson. You like the kickers, right? Uh, 150 to 1. Leonard Floyd, 150 to 1. Drew Sample, 150 to 1. Sam Humbert, 150 to 1. And Mike Hilton, 150 to 1. That's courtesy of DraftKings around. We could go check it all out and you could kind of shop around for better numbers. That is bet to the future. I want to take a quick glance at this because what I'm hearing is that um, sports books uh, around the country are just getting absolutely slammed with Aaron Donald to win Super Bowl MVP. Right now, where it stands right now, the top, as far as prop bet percentages and prop handles coming in, the top vote getter for Super Bowl MVP is Aaron Donald at 16 to 1. Now, remember, he opened up at 18 to 1 and it's down to 16 to 1. Everybody is loving Aaron Donald to win the Super Bowl MVP. I can't say that I agree with that. Joe Burrow's number 2 at uh, you know his more than 2 to 1 number in some books. All right, I, I get it, right? I I get it. I understand where you're going with it even if I don't necessarily completely agree. I understand it. We can go with that. Cooper Cup, 6-1. to one. You knew he was going to be up there. And uh, if there is a, a situation where there's going to be some late money, I think some late money come on him. Joe Mixon is getting some love. And Von Miller is up there as well. So we're starting to see the Super Bowl MVP odds shift to people sort of being smart. But are they? I, 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 honestly, are you being smart by going out there and throwing some coin down on somebody other than a quarterback? My answer generally is no. I mean, just look. My answer is no. The quarterbacks should be the favorite. The quarterbacks are overwhelmingly the favorites for a reason. Remember, I, I talk about this a lot. This isn't an award that can be qualified because of a statistic, right? This isn't that kind of award where you go out there and you go, this is black and white, right? This is absolutely cannot argue. Lead. Uh, leader in passing yards, a league leader in touchdowns, league leader in, you know, reception. No, this is a voted on award. And when you're voting on award, often the name recognition comes into play. The pomp and circumstance comes into play. The league's best interest can come into play. And when you're having a conversation about things like that, the quarterbacks certainly will get a bump up. I mean, they just will. So you're starting to talk about, you know, all of a sudden Aaron Donald. And yeah, I mean, it can happen, right? It it certainly can. But let's just sit there and go, are we kidding? Because quarterbacks dominate, absolutely dominate the Super Bowl MVP. If you type in Super Bowl MVP, you know, and quarterbacks, <laughs> you know, into the uh, Google search bar there, you're going to see how many they, they win. They just, uh, they absolutely dominate it. And they dominated by just a, a ridiculous standing, especially recently. Especially when you're looking at the recent way that, that this is picked. You have to have, here's the thing. For a quarterback to not be picked, you have to have not only a, just a fantastic, ridiculous, out-of-body moment from someone else. The other quarterbacks kind of have to fail too, right? I mean, they kind of have to fail. You can't have a quarterback. Now, this is why I have such a hard time with taking a guy like a, a, a Cooper Cup or one of the receivers because someone's throwing them the ball. And if someone's throwing them the ball and it comes down between the two of them, yeah, you know, that that's a tough spot. 
It's a tough spot when you're starting to talk about 31 of the last 55 Super Bowl MVPs were quarterbacks. 31 of the last 55. That's an, a ridiculous number. And anyone that watched the Super Bowl, and this is going to sound blasphemous, but anybody that watched the Super Bowl when Atlanta took on New England and Brady came back, James White should have been the MVP of that Super Bowl. Now, look, Brady, it was an ultimate comeback. It'll always be attached to his legacy. It'll always be attached to his name. Yes, it absolutely will. Um, but James White was phenomenal in that game, right? James White was absolutely out of his mind, but he couldn't steal it away. Why? Because he couldn't take away from what Tom Brady did, right? I mean, look at what Tom Brady did. James White in that Super Bowl. I'm going to give you these numbers, okay? And then I want you to go out there and kind of think about what a player would have to do to steal it away from a Burrow or a Stafford. James White had six carries for 29 yards, 14 catches, 110 yards, and three touchdowns. The guy had 14 catches, 110 yards, and three touchdowns, and he didn't win the MVP. He didn't win it. Okay? So you have to sit back when you're talking about, you know, the Super Bowl MVP, and you really got to kind of go out on a limb here. They do offer big odds, and that's why Aaron Donald opened up at 18-1. to 1. Now he's down to 16-1. to 1. Why? Because the odds were there. Oh, I got the best defensive player in my generation. Maybe the best defensive player of all time, people are saying that. And I get him at 18-1. to 1. Well, it, yeah, but there's a reason why. 31-55. That's why. Only three defensive players have won the Super Bowl MVP in the last 25 years, guys. 25 years. Super Bowl MVP only 10 times in the history of the championship. Okay, now I get it. The Bengals have a terrible, uh, we know, they're their top two or three worst offensive line. Donald should show out. He should have a really good, you know, Joe Burrow's been sacked 12 times in the postseason. Really good game. But is it going to be more than what we're looking at? Aaron Donald has one and a half sacks in the playoffs, right? One sack is not getting you the MVP. One and a half sacks isn't getting you the MVP. Two sacks, not getting you the MVP. You got to think that Aaron Donald has to go out there, get three sacks, maybe a fumble recovery, and, and three or four more tackles. I mean, that's something that you really have to go out there and take a shot. The guy that, if you're taking a shot at somebody, what about Trey Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson uh, from Cincinnati? The pass rush there is something. Look, if Cincinnati wins... Look, if the Rams win because of defense, you know, Aaron Donald's obviously going to get a look, but he still needs the numbers. If Cincinnati's defense wins, they're going to be looking for a star. And Trey Hendrickson is that star. You know, on the Rams, you might go Aaron Donald. You may go Jalen Ramsey. You might go uh, Eric Weddle. You may go Leonard Floyd. On the Bengals, it's going to be Trey Hendrickson unless somebody just does something out of this world. One long shot I would take a, a stab at, and I would say, okay, here's here's what we should do, right? If you're taking a long shot and all you want is a long shot, which I don't like because I don't like I don't like the idea of fun money and just throw it out there. No, I don't like that. But if there is somebody, Evan McPherson could steal this. He could steal it because look, he's had a phenomenal postseason. Right? He's had a phenomenal postseason. He's had two game-winning field goals here in the playoffs. He's 12 for 12 in field goal attempts. He's had a 52, two 52-yarders and a 54-yarder. Okay, people are liking him. And you think about 
if he hits a, a 55, 58-yarder to win the game at the end of the game, yeah, maybe they would look his way. A kicker has never won Super Bowl MVP, which, you know, is why he's so much. But I can I can make more of an argument for that than kind of anybody else on the field. Look, I just don't think it's smart to bet against the quarterbacks ever. Ever. It doesn't make sense to bet against something that you see happening so many times. And it doesn't make sense to turn around and look at something like that. Now, look, let's go look at the past quarterbacks that have won, right? Or the past MVPs that have won. Tom Brady was plus 187. Good return last year. Patrick Mahomes was about even money the year before that. Julian Edelman did win at 20 to 1. Nick Foles before that, plus 325. Tom Brady before that, plus 150. Von Miller did win this award, 22 to 1 in Super Bowl 50. Brady plus 160. Malcolm Smith, 20 to 1. Joe Flacco plus 250. Eli Manning plus 210. Aaron Rodgers plus 175. Drew Brees plus 180. And so on and so forth. So that's in Super Bowl 44. And you see, look, the Super Bowl MVP, uh, not only are they quarterbacks, but when somebody doesn't win, it's 20 to 1 or more. Aaron Donald at 16 to 1, just, look, it doesn't resonate for me. So I I wanted to take a look at that uh, Super Bowl MVP. Before we wrap it up, I'm in a business here where so many people ask me all the time, what do you like? You know, who do you like? And inevitably, people hear what I do for a living. What do you do for a living? Well, I'm a sports handicapper, professional sports handicapper, and I have a sports uh, handicapping show, right? I'm a sports media personality. I've been on the radio for 25 years talking about sports betting. Excellent. What do you like in the Super Bowl? I mean, I can hear that in the middle of June, right? Everybody wants to know. But I have to tell you guys, it's a game that I don't often go out there and bet. It's a game that I can't remember the last time I bet huge money on on one side or the other. Now, before the year that the Carolina Panthers went to the Super Bowl, I took them uh, at 41 to 1 odds, so I bet huge money to hedge it out on the Broncos in that game. Um, But overall, no, I I don't bet huge money on the Super Bowl because it is such a closely contested game. The lines are dead right. I'd rather bet on a Tuesday afternoon game in June between the Royals and, and, you know, Tigers in a game that I like than to bet on the Super Bowl. So, when I say I don't love a team, just understand that means I'm not going to put big money on this team. I'm just not. It's not something I'm prepared to do. But inevitably, we are an entertainment show. Inevitably, we are a sports show. And every sports analyst out there is going to continue to sit back and they're going to give you their opinions on stuff. And I will tell you my opinion because I will give you my picks. I think that most of my brain says the under here. But I like the under at the opening number. When it first opened up, that was a number that I felt good about. I do believe that in these kind of games, there's a lot more early kind of sparring going on. I do believe in these kind of games, there's a lot more the idea of, well, let's try to establish a running game, um, even though it might open up in the second half. This opened up at 51. And I was kind of looking at this and saying, you know, 51, I kind of like the under, But I certainly was into the first half under, right? I mean, the first half under was 25. I was into that. Now it's down to 48 and a half, and and I can't go with it. Then I look at the Rams in Cincinnati. I think the Rams are the better team. I think they have a lot of things that are better than Cincinnati. But I can't help but notice just one thing, and that is not Joe Burrow, but this Cincinnati's defense has just stepped up time and time and time and time again this postseason. They have continuously just shocked 
me and the world of what they're doing. So I think they can keep the game close. And I do want a close game. Again, I don't love anything in this game. I'm not sitting back and telling you I like any real play with any real conviction. I like a couple of prop plays, right? I, I will go on the prop plays for sure. I will make money betting on prop plays. But if you're asking me for a score of the game, I think that the Rams win because they're better, but I think it's a close game, so I kind of like the four and a half. I know that the point spread almost never comes into play during the Super Bowl, but this might be one time that it does. I went out there and I threw a couple of bucks down, uh, you know, to win $15,500 on the exact score. Why not? And I said Rams 28-27. And I think that we might have something like that. 24-23 works too. So I think it's going to be a good game. I think that we are going to have lead changes in the fourth quarter. By the way, that's plus two to one. I think that we might have a lead change in the final two minutes. By the way, that's seven to one. I think that we will have a really entertaining game that highlights Joe Burrow, but the Rams are just the better team, and it is just a hard thing for me to bet against the better team. The better team, yes. The better team at home, yeah. It, look, it's they're the quote-unquote road team, but they're in their own building. The better team against a younger team, yes. I, I look at the line play. Man, I can't get over some of that line play. I look at the coaching aspect. I think that Zach Taylor has done a great job, but Sean McVay is a better coach. So I think the Rams will win, even though I'm sort of rooting for Joe Burrow. I think that Joe Burrow, though, does keep this game close. It wouldn't shock me in any way, shape, or form to watch any scenario happen. If we woke up the next day and it was a 41-10 Rams drubbing of Cincinnati, I wouldn't be shocked. If we woke up and the Cincinnati Bengals just completely and utterly annihilated the Rams, 34, you know, 13, I wouldn't be shocked. So I wouldn't be shocked of any scenario, and that's why I'm a little wishy-washy on the game. But I'm going to say that we have a close game. I think it's a close, tight game that everybody enjoys all the way through. I think a lot of these prop plays can be utilized, but I do believe that early on, you're probably your best play is that that feeling out stage is the first half. If if I like anything as far as sides and totals, maybe a first half under, even though it's not the number that I still want. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Enjoy the big game. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.